Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card with Discover Cashback Debit. Everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction, eligibility, and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. Incredible statistic. Only Martin Odegaard of Arsenal with 7.77 miles covered ran more distance-wise in the opening round of Premier League games than you, Tyler Adams. 7.55 miles. Turns out that you are the real heat map Jesus. Who was the heat map Jesus before me? Brendan Aronson. Brendan Aronson. Ask him if he wants to do a beep test against me and we'll see. <laughs> it's Roger, <laughs> my lord. Have I been looking forward to this one? Welcoming back a gent whom I adore at a phenomenal moment of transition in his career. Remember, dear listeners, when we last spoke, he just won the German Cup, the Pokal, with RB Leipzig. Since then, on July 7th, 2022, a date which may soon become an annual holiday back in Wappingers Falls, New York, the pride of Dutchess County made a dream move to the Premier League to join that tradition-soaked club, Leeds United. It is a joy to be with him today. At a time when the World Cup is just 105 days away, we will live the twists and turns of his ongoing odyssey. On this show, Tyler Adams, Road to the Cup, presented by Volkswagen. God bless you, VW. Few brands do more for US football. And it's a joy to welcome back, or as they say in Yorkshire, hey up, it's Mr. Tyler Adams. Raj, thanks for having me, man. Excited to be back. Not much happened since we last spoke then, Tyler. No, not much, not much. No, I got a few (laughs) things to tell you. Oh my God, we are podding two days after you made your Premier League debut. I want to wind the clock back, take us to this move to Leeds United back in July for $24 million. How did you first hear about it and how did it feel in that moment? We had talks in the summer discussing about the possible move with Leeds being my favorite club to go to. I remember flying back to Leipzig for preseason. I was, you know, starting the medical process. And I remember getting a call from my agent and he said, stop doing all the preseason checkups. You're done. The deal is done. The CEO of Leipzig will call the medical staff soon in Leipzig and let them know. It hit me pretty hard. A club that I 
shared a lot of amazing moments with, uh, one that helped me develop so much friendships and staff members that I created, you know, real relationships with outside of just the football that we all enjoyed. It didn't hit me until that moment that I hung up the phone that I was going to be leaving and moving on to a new step in my journey, one that I felt like I needed to make, challenge myself and prove myself as a person and a player. First, I want to talk to you about Leeds the City, a place I know incredibly well. I went to university there. I actually had a doom fleeting stint as the Leeds mascot, the Leeds lion. And I know that is a singular, proud West Yorkshire city, one of the world's great mill towns. Can you describe your first impressions of the place? The city for me is absolutely electric. You know, when I arrived, the weather was good. And, you know, when I pulled up to the hotel, I was amazed by how many people were out and about, all different types of people, diverse city. You see the university and how beautiful that is. And the energy you can immediately feel is amazing. I mean, it's the birthplace of such iconic figures as Peter O'Toole and Scary Spice. I can't know, how are you dealing with the accent? Oh, no, the accent's easy. It's much easier than your accent, actually. Such an incredible put down, but it is true. I mean, my mother, own mother can't understand me. She says I speak <laughs> as if my jaws are wired together. But Leeds, it's got a distinct accent. There's a lot of guttural clutter. There's a lot of drop consonants. It's a lot of like, I'm off to shop. It's like very concise. <laughs> yes, yes, it's exactly that. No, the first few days take some getting used to. It's better than listening to German, that's for sure. <laughs> don't, don't you start Brad Friedling on us with that accent though, Tyler. Hold on to what you got because you may be in Yorkshire, but there is a strong sense of home over there. As we all know, first of all, you are at Leeds United reconnecting for a third time in your career already with Jesse Marsh, a manager you're so bloody familiar with. He first coached you when you were 15. He gave you your debut at New York Red Bulls as a 16-year-old. He was your coach in Leipzig at the start of last season. When the recruitment by Leeds happened, did you and Jesse get on the phone and just laugh? Here we go again. We're doing this. Jesse played such a pivotal role in the beginning of my career, as he is continuing to do now. He's taught me so many different things about myself, about the game, helped me mature as a person. You know, when I first met him, I was 14 years old and, you know, now I'm 23 years old. So we've had a lot of successful moments, some tough ones as well. But we did get on the phone before I made the decision to come here. And we had some tough conversations just about what he needs for me, what role he needs me to play, what I need to bring to this team and how I can change the dynamic of what leads wants to do moving forward. You know, I'm fascinated by your relationship with Jesse because I remember talking to you for the first time when you were 17 and you talked about how Jesse had taken you aside and essentially almost explained how your career could and should go, that this was a system he projected where you would go. I have no idea within that system whether you or even he imagined there'd be so many Jesse Marsh, Tyler Adams touch points along the way. You are so familiar with him, what he wants, his system, what did he tell you about what he needs from you? He just wanted to see the confident Tyler Adams, you know, the one that when he came through and broke through in New York and initially made his debut in Leipzig, how I was able to bring my energy, bring what I'm so good at on the field and continue being the person in the locker room that people look up to and admire. But, you know, on the field, most importantly, just get back to my old self. And it's hard to hear that initially. You don't want to hear you need a little bit more of the old me because how I felt like I was developing was, you know, felt like the right path. But in terms of when I had time to reflect on it, that conversation.
conversation helped me tremendously. Just that reflecting process that sometimes you need someone to tell you in order to understand exactly what they want and exactly how to get the best out of yourself. The old me is finally coming back out. You know, I have this confidence. I have this arrogance to my game again. And yeah, I'm a little bit of a pest on the field. After hearing tactics in German for the last four seasons, how much of a joy is it to hear team talks in Wisconsin language? It's much better to hear his team talks in English than in German, especially his <laughs> German. So I'll take those for sure. Schnell, schnell, f Oh, Je Jesse is not the only fellow American there, of course. Leeds also signed Brendan Aronson from Red Bull Salzburg six weeks before you arrived. Mm -hmm. How much Brendan Aronson are you currently seeing? Is it like a Burton Ernie situ there? I'll be honest with you. We played 18 holes this morning on our on our day off right before this podcast. I'm seeing a lot of Brendan. It's so refreshing to have him here and, you know, be on the same journey as each other, bounce ideas off of each other. When you need something, you have an American there to support you. And everybody knows that the American support is better than anything. So definitely happy to have a friend like him here. For Walker Zimmerman's sake, can you just talk us through the round? Oh my God, Walker Zimmerman. This guy thinks he's the best. I swear, <laughs> once he sees me again, the amount of golf I've been playing, I'm taking my game to a new level. I'm going to get a club deal off of this, a nice endorsement, and he's going to be real frustrated. He's going to be coming to me asking for a club soon. Oh, Zimmerman to the Live Golf Tour is about to be <laughs> imminent. Can you settle this debate for us, by the way? Should Jack Harrison also be considered an honorary American? Oh, no, no, no. He's American. I tell him that all the time. I claimed him already. He's part of the American squad and he likes to hang out with us. I know he does, even though, you know, he loses his English accent every time he talks to us. So I love it. God, Greg, get on it. We hear about <laughs> locker rooms like Chelsea's. They used to be divided into like a Brazilian faction over here, a Spanish faction over there. Are you guys conscious of being almost too connected to Brendan and Jesse and, and being seen as an American faction? Or is it just not something that you think about? No, to be honest, it's not something I've thought about at all. You know, me and Brendan are so close before coming into here. So it's not like this made up thing where we're in the locker room and we're only hanging out with each other because we're American. But definitely in the beginning and especially in preseason, I made a conscious effort of getting to know everybody, speaking to everybody. But the team here is unbelievable. The mentality that the guys have, how they are as people and how they've allowed us to settle into the group has been Something that I couldn't have expected at all, especially coming in and having to compete with some of the guys, of course, you know, they've really allowed us to settle in on and off the field. So I'm definitely very fortunate. I am fascinated. Once you signed for a Premier League team and before you arrived, do you do your due diligence? Do you check in with Americans who know the Premier League, like Christian Pulisic, get their insight? I'm fascinated by how you're mentally prepared. It's no secret that that was my dream to one day play in the Premier League. I said that back when I was in New York Red Bulls, you know, when I first had signed there, that my ultimate goal was to end up in the Premier League, no matter what it took. And I was making the transition to come here. You know, I did speak with people, not so much about the league, but more about what life is like in England. So I spoke with Christian. I spoke with Ethan Horvath, who had been around Zach, Steph, and these guys. And their first response is, it's a lot more like America. That's all you need to know. So that's calming and, and that's always nice. What advice did they give you from a footballing perspective? To be quite honest with you, I didn't ask anything about the footballing perspective. You know, for me, you know, I had the opportunity to play against, you know, a lot of English Premier League teams in, in Champions League. So I have that experience of, you know, what it's like to play on the field against, you know, the best of the best teams. Just watching the, the league growing up, you know that it's going to be a grind every single weekend. And I think I've watched enough games now to kind of prepare myself a little bit mentally. How do you all communicate? Is there an Americans in England WhatsApp? 
we're going to have to make one. It, it went from the, the Americans in Germany to the <laughs> Americans in England now. So we're definitely going to have to set that up. Ball Mad Nation. What's it like walking into a new locker room, a whole new social culture? How do you feel emotionally? And do you have a strategy for how to play it? just go in there and be myself. You know, I get along with so many different groups of people. So I'm, you know, definitely easy to talk to, easy to be around. I save my sense of humor for when people get to know me a little bit better. But yeah, settling in, it took a little bit of time because, you know, I came here to the hotel, signed, and then I think I trained two days and then was on a 24-hour plane ride to Australia, which was also amazing for me because this was my first real preseason tour to see the support from the Leeds fans in Australia was something I could have never imagined, you know, getting off the plane after, you know, 24 hours and landing in Brisbane and seeing how many Leeds supporters were there. I was like, I was like, what the heck? This is unbelievable to see the support that they had. I mean, it truly is a global brand of a club. The away support for Leeds United is famed across England. And you've said that the lead squad itself was so unprecedentedly welcoming. And I know that they do an initiation song. I think Brendan Aronson said that he sang Baby by Justin Bieber to become a fully-fledged squad member. Can you yeah. talk us through your choice and, and how all that goes down? First off, let's just talk by saying they haven't done this initiation song thing since I don't know when. Patrick Bamford told me, yeah, we haven't done it in like four years, but you guys are going to have to do it. And I'm like, oh, interesting how, you know, we come and then all of a sudden now we have to do it after four years. Let's let's start it up again as soon as I arrive. And I'm like thinking of songs to sing. And I didn't think there was anything better than Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. So as soon as we went out, we had a team night out one night on the water in Brisbane. And they told us, yep, time for you to sing. Who wants to sing first? And I was like, I'll just get it over with. So I stood up on the chair and went all out. Felt like I was in the shower, just jamming out to Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. God, those lyrics hopped off the plane at LAX with a dream and yes. my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame excess. Am I going to fit in? I mean, that is very, very deep. But God, Patrick Bamford, how many times has he told you he almost went to Harvard? None. Zero. He is not smart enough for that. I think he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Ivy League Bamford. God, he's another one that could be playing for the United States if we've been lucky enough. But that locker room, you arrived at a time of incredible transition. The club had just avoided relegation in the most dramatic way on the last day of the season. Since then, that incredible goal machine, Rafinha, decamp for Barcelona and club icon, local lad turned England international midfield pitbull, Calvin Phillips, moved to Manchester City. It's also been a time of transition for Jesse Marsh. He arrived in February, inherited the team in a relegation dogfight. He's now had a full postseason to inculcate his ideas within the locker room. Looking at the Leeds training over the past few weeks, can you talk about what his message has been for the team he wants and the changes we should expect? One of the main reasons that I made the decision to come to Leeds was obviously where they wanted to take this club, you know, back to the top again after so many years being out of that picture and, you know, having to battle to stay in the Premier League, the battle to get into the Premier League when they're in the championship. Week in and week out in training, Jesse's just been emphasizing so much about believing and trusting in the system. And you could tell by the first game out and the first preseason games, 
it was going to be a, a little bit of a work in progress, but we're nowhere near being at the finished product of what he wants to tactically deliver or, you know, the sharpness and fitness of all the players. But you can clearly see the progress from when he had the team having to fight to stay up and guys being, you know, a little bit anxious, a little bit nervous of having to fight in the Premier League to now having that relief and guys coming to terms with we have the quality, we have the level, we have the athleticism, we have what we need to fight and compete in the Premier League and finish in a good position. So now it's about delivering that product on the field. It's just a matter of that consistency now, which we they obviously missed last season. I spoke to Jesse last week and he talked about how he's had the players spend a lot of time in the weight room mm-hmm. so they can be a different physical proposition this campaign. He loves the weight room and it's only ideal that the team goes into the weight room, right? Because there was a lot of injuries last season and they obviously want to minimize that. But yeah, we spent a lot. We've had a lot of double sessions. It's unfortunate. I hate the weight room. You were once asked to explain what Jesse Marsh is like as a manager and you said, he's very hard on me. He wants me to continue to improve, to have that (laughs) hunger. And that's why I'm so keen to work with him again. He pushes my limit. Can you describe from the inside what (laughs) kind of a coach Jesse Marsh is? And has he changed over time since you first encountered him as a young teen at the Red Bulls? He's definitely changed over time. You know, he's always kept his morals and what he believes in, and he's a firm believer in in what he believes in. But he's been able to adapt to certain things, whether it's tactically, whether it's as a person, whether it's, you know, with how he builds his relationships. It's a completely different road in, in Austria and Germany when you have to do everything in a completely different language. And sometimes you feel like you have to vary away from yourself and who you really are. I can already tell in England he's in his element again. And he always wants to unlock someone's full potential, and he never wants to see someone that's satisfied. So whenever you feel like you did something good, he will tell you that you probably could have done it better. (laughs) That's exactly what I want. And again, that's one of the reasons I like working with him because I can score three goals, although it's never happened. I can score three goals in a game and he say, you should have scored six because you had three more chances. These are the types of people that push you to be better and that's who you need to surround yourself with. What's he like as a player? We've seen Jesse getting some touches in during training, even megging people during a rondo. And when I interviewed Jesse described himself as poor, too slow, too technically inefficient. Is that how you'd describe his play and training? Yeah, that's exactly how I would describe it. <laughs> I would have killed him if I had to play against him. And even in his prime, you could take 16-year-old me, you could take 23-year-old me, whichever one you want, and I would have killed him. So you don't see him begging me in training, you know what I'm saying? I gotta send you a clip of Jesse Marsh kicking uh, David Beckham in his down belows. Top 10 moment in American men's football history, you decide, but I think you'll be thinking very differently. The tour to Australia itself, a couple of moments I want to relive with you. There was a Palace game, the gripple grapple with Jordan Ayo are coming together, a quick kick out. Legs held, words exchanged, and my lip reading is very bad. I think, I think you warned him that you are from Dutchess County, dog. But in those moments, what goes through your mind? Are you just trying to show your teammates first impressions? I'm a man who won't back down. Not really, honestly. If he didn't kick me, then I wouldn't have done anything. But, you know, a little cheap shot while I'm down, I don't, I don't take that especially on the field. You know what I'm saying? So it's definitely a moment that made me realize just obviously what the league is like and you're getting a taste of it in preseason. But no, I'm not I'm not having that. (laughs) It was like watching a young Clint Dempsey. You don't know where I'm from, dog. Another confrontation. This one's slightly less menacing, but still filled with nuance. An English fan at an open training in Brisbane, a scouser, I think, wanted to bet you that England were going to smash the US in the World Cup. Are you getting a lot of that with that Group B clash looming November 25th? You get a lot of bants action about the game from your fellow teammates. 
I'm getting a lot of it, actually. And not only that, but from Wales, too. You know, Dan James in the locker room. So we're making a little couple side bets. You know what I'm saying? So he thinks that that Wales will win. I'll think that U.S. will win. I think that U.S. is going to play against England and win. And then other guys think that England's going to win. So I got to have confidence in my team. You know what I'm saying? I have confidence in myself and in our team. So we're not backing down from anything, but we'll see. We'll save it for November. Are you hearing that a lot from like English people that you encounter? Is it like front of mind, this US thing, or is it bigger here than it is that? No, I think it's just as big here. You know, everyone mentions it to me that US against England, and I always, you know, remind people that I think the game is the day after Thanksgiving. It will be watched by everyone in the US, most likely, and obviously everyone in England. So it's one that I think everyone's looking forward to for sure. Tyler Adams going to win the bants, going to win the game, going to win the bets in that order. Men and Blazers, we like to believe more is more when it comes to football. Less Everton are playing, in which case, oh, less is always more. But one thing you can do to enhance even the Everton watching experience is to visit the GFOPs at Prize Picks. They're America's number one fantasy sports app. Test your skills on Prize Picks this season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you've got the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps tappity taps mostly just picking what categories you want Everton players to disappoint you in and smashing the less thing I love about prize picks is is how simple it is to use they're now offering Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this soccer season no more ferreting around in your wallet for that security code on your credit card that the computer never saves. Download the app today. Use code MIB. Free first deposit match up to $100. That's promo code MIB. Price picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You came back from Australia. You played your first game as a friendly at Ellen Road, that historic barn of English football. It's a magical kingdom out there in Beeston, just filled with dreams and passion and noise. And I do believe a lot, a lot of American fans are going to find their way up to Leeds this season. How would you describe it? What are your first impressions of Ellen Road? To walk out in that stadium and, you know, hear the anthem marching on together for the first time. gave me goosebumps. The fans are passionate, loyal. How many fans have come up to me in the street and how much I've been recognized here is more than in my entire life. And I definitely was not expecting that. I was just expecting to be able to walk out, go where I need to and do whatever. But fans recognize you. They're passionate. They remember everything. You know why they recognize you, Tyler? Oh, no. Why? There's a giant Tyler Adams, your face, but the size uh, of the entire side of Ellen Road Stadium already hanging up there. I need to know, what does it feel like when you look at that bad boy? The media team here in Leeds, they sent me a picture of where they were hanging it and the decision to hang it on. I think it's the biggest stand at Ellen Road. Yes. 
my girlfriend sent me a picture before the game against Wolves. And I was like, holy crap, that's big. I didn't realize it was that big. Like in on a photo, you don't really realize it. But then when she's standing in front of it, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's it's really, really big. So um, after the game, I was able to drive by it and see it. And yeah, I mean, I, I can't lie. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. I can imagine like 10, 20 years time. It will forever hang on the side of your mother's home in, in Wappingers Falls. It really is. It's a work of art that one day should actually hang in the Smithsonian. But you chose number 12, your shirt number. Mm-hmm. Can you take us into the thought process? My favorite numbers is are 4 and 14, and neither one of those are available. And the numbers that were available were just whatever. So I sent the list of numbers that were available to my mom. My mom immediately responded with 12. It was her number back in the day and for volleyball as well when she was growing up. So it's her favorite number. So repping my my mom's favorite number for. Oh God, that is honestly, may every young American soon be wearing Melissa's volleyball number on fields <laughs> across this nation. You made your Premier League debut in sensational style when you were about to make your debut in the league that Thierry Henry, your role model, made his name in, in the league, in the words of Jürgen Klinsmann, where the greatest music is sung. You know, you grew up watching the best players in the world play in the Premier League. Can you describe your emotions the night before the game? Do you sleep well or does it just feel like any other game? It's a bit surreal. You know, I try not to think about it too much. So the night before games, we have to stay in team hotel. I'm actually here right now because I still need to move into my house. We had the team dinner the night before, wake up in the morning feeling, you know, not amazing. I didn't sleep good. I was just a little bit anxious and just, you know, ready to go. Like you just have so much energy even the night before. When did you find out you're starting? We found out the day before. We found out the day before. So that's definitely nice. It's a little bit calming when you know that you're playing and you kind of go through in your head what you need to do, mentally prepare for it. Do they just pin it on a board like in school or do they read it out in front of everybody? How's that go then? Go through the tactics of how we want to play against Wolves. And before we go through all the tactical stuff, he says the lineup. So as soon as we're going through tactics, you can kind of envision where you're going to be playing, what what role you need to play, which players you're playing against. And it gives you a better idea when you're going through the tactical decision. So Deep relief when you see that or nerves or both? Um, not really relief, nerves, anything. I try to train my best throughout the week, obviously, so that when that comes up, it's almost a given in my head that I'm going to be playing. So, you know, I usually know based off of how I've performed throughout the week, what the feeling is going to be. It was something that I was expecting based off of how I had trained. It would have only been right. Brendan was interviewed right before the game, I think by mm. Leeds on their, their own social. And I got to mm. say, he was just admirably chill. I think the quote that I loved of his was, I feel good, man. I don't feel yeah. nervous. He said it yeah. so amped. He said it, he was so amped. Yeah. He was just like, I feel good, man. I don't feel nervous. It was his exact words. And I want to know, before the two of you, I mean, you guys have been mates for a long, long bloody time. Here you are in another world, in an incredible place, but about to take the field at that Cauldron Ellen Road together for the first time. What did the two of you say to each other in the locker room? It was actually on the way out. We're walking through the tunnel. I tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. We both know what we're capable of. And it's so nice and calming to know that we have each other on the field. You have teammates that would back me through anything, especially on this team. But to know that I have him having my back no matter what also is a good feeling. And he knows that I have his back. So the chemistry on the field that we have together is obviously second to none. We've played a lot of games with each other now, especially with the national team. We just have a calming presence for each other, a a natural chemistry with each other. And that's a really good feeling. 
You and me, we're doing this. I can't imagine what that must have felt like. It gave me so much joy to see you both walk out onto that field in the sun, no less, at Leeds. And within minutes, you set the tone with a crunching tackle on Neves. Do you remember it? Was that like you welcoming the Premier League to Tyler Adams? <laughs> You'll see more of that this season for sure. I was waiting to get in a good tackle. There will definitely be more of those, I hope. The start, though, was not what you wanted. Leeds went behind inside six minutes. Was there a moment when you just settled in and internally in your head, you thought, my God, I belong here. We are doing this. We got scored on. And then in the stadium, the fans started singing, marching on together. I figured, OK, maybe they do that when we score a goal. But to have them do that after we went down a goal was actually more empowering and gave me more energy than after we scored a goal because naturally after you score a goal you're going to have that adrenaline you're going to have that amazing feeling but when you go down a goal you're searching for something to be like ah give me a positive right now so I can go harder run more fight harder everything and as soon as you start hearing them singing marching out together and Ellen Road and 36,000 all perfectly in tune it sounds like it gives you that energy you need. And the team all just responded so well. It felt like after we went down a goal was actually when we played our best football in that whole match to be able to hunt in packs, go together. No one's going to be able to go individually or else we're going to get popped around and, you know, not be able to win the ball. And when we started going together, we found all sorts of success. We felt more comfortable with the ball. We were winning more balls. We were creating tons of chances, having more shots. And then we all of a sudden had this confidence. And, you know, as soon as we got the first goal, I felt in my head, we're winning this game. Incredible statistic. Only Martin Odegaard of Arsenal with 7.77 miles covered ran more distance-wise in the opening round of Premier League games than you, Tyler Adams. 7.55 miles. Did you know that? Not until you just told me. Turns out that you are the real heat map Jesus. Who was the heat map Jesus before me? Brendan Aronson. Brendan Aronson. Ask him if he wants to do a beep test against me and we'll see. He will never beat me in that or in any running competition. <laughs> By the way, were you more shattered than normal at the final whistle? Did you feel that? Initially, right after, I didn't feel it, probably because of the adrenaline. But I'll tell you, I'm feeling it now. <laughs> I'm feeling it now. Different to a Bundesliga game. Oh, 100%. The intensity of that game was a completely different level. It felt like more like a Champions League game. In Champions League games, 90 plus minutes, you got to be locked in and just completely aware of everything, whether you have to run more, press more, win more duels, more physical, you feel it. And then in this game, it's the first game of the season. Everyone's still trying to gain their fitness, gain their sharpness. But wow, it was physically demanding. We've got to talk about it. The winning goal. Here's Bamford. Across it goes. And in it goes. Brendan's goal. We are calling it Brendan's goal, right? I need to keep Brendan humble, so it's an own goal for now. <laughs> I look after him like he's my little brother, you know? I need to keep him keep him intact right now. No, I'm kidding. Brendan's the most the most humble guy. Right after he scored, we're walking back to halfway, half field, and he's like, I didn't even touch the ball. I didn't I didn't touch the ball. And I'm like, like, what are you talking about? You didn't touch the ball. Like he like put his hand over his mouth on the way back and goes, Crap, they all think it was me. I didn't even touch yeah. it. What have I done now? I think he just like blacked out in the moment because I think he knew he was going to score. And then like, and then I watched the replay after the game and I'm like, dude, how do you forget touching the ball? The way that the ball was going, there's no way that it didn't touch him. Like it had to have touched him or else it would have ran through. Like the guy 
pushed it, but the way that he pushed it, pushed it onto Brendan and in the goal. So for me, the trajectory of it is, is Brendan's goal. He scored. It's Brendan's goal. It's Brendan's goal. He did say to Leeds United's uh, press team afterwards. I touched it in there. I was in there and I th- it came off my shin somewhere in there. So I'm taking credit for it. <laughs> as he should yeah. do, to be candid, as he should do. But you started the move. Can you tell us what you remember about that moment from your perspective? The game was starting to open up a little bit, especially from the beginning moments. Usually from like the 65th minute on to the end of the game are the kind of times where I think like my fitness like separates me a little bit. So I just knew that I could start getting in gaps and finding the game a little bit more even. So yeah, we had won the ball. The ball came to me and I, my initial thought was just how can I get this ball forward right now? Like the game is opening up, like get it forward. And it was Matthias Clicky who was in front of me and He's an unbelievable player in tight spaces. So I just popped the ball into him. He just turned right away and Patrick was already running in behind. So great ball across and it was Brendan's goal. My initial reaction was, I'm so tired. Then it was Brendan. So I got adrenaline and then I ran over to him. Jesse Marsh was pretty amped at the end of that game. And the heated conversation with Large, the Wolves coach. But I loved the footage of him saluting the Leeds fans post-game, leading them... Klopp style in celebration. What did he say to you guys after the game? That the belief in each other and the belief in what we're doing became evident after that game. Progress that we've made over the past uh, four or five weeks, I believe it is, or six weeks maybe. And the work that we're putting into this and buying into this is going to pay off and it paid off tonight. So we can't be satisfied with our first win. The goal is to continue to win and make sure that we have that killer mentality in order to be successful. Saturday night, what do you do to celebrate after a first like that? And how long does it take for the adrenaline to burn off? My family was here, which was amazing. So my dad, my mom, and my youngest brother, Donovan, they were here with my girlfriend as well. It was amazing to be able to look up into the stands and see the excitement that they had because... It was always my dream to play in the Premier League, but it was also their dream. You kind of forget immediately about the game or anything like that because they're smiling and they're happy. So uh, it was special. What did they say to you post-game? Everyone said, you know, how proud of me they were and whatnot. And then my mom's like, what the f***? You got a yellow card. Like, you don't need to get a yellow <laughs> card. And I'm like, yes, mom, I know. I won't get any more yellow cards, okay? God, shout out to moms. And Melissa, there is now a image of your son on the side of Ellen Road that is apparently visible from outer space. If that's not success, I don't know what is. But what goal do you set yourself for the season ahead? First as a team. The most important thing, and I think where the team, you know, there's a leadership council on the team. I think where they felt they had maybe gone wrong was looking too far ahead last season and not just kind of focusing on a certain stretch of games and kind of what they want to achieve. So coming into the season, we've established that, We're going to break down the season into five game increments and we're going to base it off set goals for those those five games each. So we've set all the goals for the first five games of the season. I think it's Wolves at home. We have Southampton away, Chelsea home, Brighton away, Everton home. So we have, you know, a good list of games and we kind of set the goals of what we want to achieve over those five games. I'm not going to ask you what the goal is for Everton away. I do want to know what your goals are as an individual just establish myself as one of the best midfielders in the league. I know that I have the potential to do that, but now it's about just challenging myself. For me, it was obviously a big decision to come to a new league. You know, you can stay where 
you're comfortable and settled into life or you can take on a completely new challenge and have a new challenge every single weekend playing against new teams, new players and the best players. I want to move into the part of the podcast, my favorite part, where we take calls from great friends of the pod. But last question for me, tell I'm fascinated. How do you feel the move, this move to Leeds, the Premier League, will impact what you can deliver at the World Cup in the US jersey? Playing this level, the standard of games, week in, week out, leading into a big competition is obviously the best thing that you can possibly have. Another thing that I sort of look at is take away the picture of playing Champions League now from my schedule. And obviously that's a lot less games and a lot easier to maintain fitness leading up to such a big competition. So this allows me to maximize performance. It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long time staple in the Bennett refrigerator, Stoke cold brew coffee always bold always smooth yes that is the very same stoke as in the mighty wrexham fortress known as the stoke kairas or the stoke Racecourse, wrexham afc's home they support it they support football which is just one great reason to love this coffee it is my go-to enjoy during the football calendar essentially the opposite of Everton. And you can check out their full lineup of 48 ounce cold brew products, something for everybody from light to dark roast to seasonal favourites in a refrigerated multi serve format. I tell you this, as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke Espresso Blend, have the coffee house experience in the comfort of your own home and do it now. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee and be sure to follow Wrexham AFC. Big love to all at Stoke. Courage. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta Sky Miles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. Okay, it's time. Let's dance, dance, dance with your questions. One of my favorite features of this Tyler Adams Road to the Cup, powered by Volkswagen Podcast. You know the numbers, dear GFOPs, 646-450-9472. If you've got questions for the mighty Tyler Adams of Leeds United about football or life, phone in your question at any time, and it could be your voice on this podcast. Bonus points if you're driving a Volkswagen as you're doing so. Tyler Adams, are we ready for this? Let's do it. Let's take our very first caller. Hello, this is Adam Sharp from Harrisonburg, Virginia, supporter of DC United, home of the water. Uh, this question is for Tyler Adams. I am a youth soccer coach, and as a youth coach, I'm always looking for players who exhibit captain-esque qualities. How did you, Tyler, develop the leadership skills to to be a captain, um, even though you were playing with men older than you? When did you realize that this was something that was important to you, and how deliberate have you been to exercise your role as a captain, even potentially in areas, in teams, in situations where you're not the official captain. 
Thank you. Adam Shaw from Harrisonburg, Virginia. I love this question so much. Tyler, can you talk about when you started, I think, seriously about captaincy, leadership, and what's natural, and what have you deliberately taught yourself, and how? My idea, obviously, of being a captain is a natural ability. It's never something that I forced. I think, one, you have to be, obviously, a born competitor, one that every single day wants to win, no matter what the cost is. And they're not there to necessarily make friends. They're there. Maybe somebody wants an idea or advice. You give them that advice and they do that. But there's obviously different ways to lead. For me, it's always been natural. Playing up in the age groups when I was younger, I had to challenge myself against bigger and older players. But I was never the type of person to back down from anything. Never the type of person that when I had something on my mind, didn't say it. So I would battle with older guys, say what I felt no matter what it was. And I didn't really think about what the cost of it was because I knew that it would make me better, it would make them better. So I always have the mentality that iron sharpens iron and your captain needs to be one of those players that's continually sharpening the iron. Is there any coach that's really helped you understand the potential of captaincy? I don't think it's been a coach. I would say that I've been fortunate to have very good captains at a young age and that's what kind of helped me shape me into the type of captain that I want to be. When I signed with New York Red Bulls, my captain was Dax McCarty. The ginger king. Yeah, he taught me what it's like to come into training on time, what work he's putting in beforehand, how he talks to people and how he speaks to people is really, really important. How he can get pissed off on training, but after, you know, go up to people and say, yeah, you know, it's it's training. That's what it's going to be like. But off the field, this is how we talk to people, you know? And then I had Sasha Clustion and Luis Robles, sometimes Bradley Wright Phillips. And those four guys alone right there, those names speak for themselves. Careers that they had, how they've developed into leaders, how they are as people, most importantly. It's one thing to talk field, right? And I do a lot of it. But as soon as we're off the field, maybe I'll still talk not as much as I do on the field. So that's important as well. You know, I've had some good conversations with Greg Berhalter from the national team. My role with having been captain for a lot of games now and, you know, what a good opportunity that is, but what he sees and how his perception of a captain is. And I think that's that's the biggest thing, right? At the end of the day is everyone's going to have a different perception of what a captain and what their type of leader they're looking for is. So for me, I don't really try to change how I am as a leader. I continue to lead no matter whether I'm the captain or not. Call number two. Hi, my name is Nolan. Uh, I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I'm a Tottenham fan. This World Cup, being in the middle of November, uh, being in the middle of the season, which is having that big break where you got to go and play games in the middle of the season, how's that going to change your mindset? And how are you going to kind of prepare for that midseason? Thanks. Bye. Tyler, this World Cup in Qatar has broken up the season into two in really an unprecedented and frankly pretty crazy way. How has that changed the way that you're building into it? Since I haven't played in the World Cup, it almost feels better to me. Instead of being at the end of your season where you have to think, damn, I need to play more games now. I'm tired after such a long mentally and physically demanding season. Now you should be almost at your sharpest. So you're going to be flying, I feel like, just fitness-wise and sharpness-wise going into the World Cup. That will obviously be a bummer where you don't have those preparation games going into the World Cup. But you'll have your sharpness, your fitness levels high, and the excitement, obviously, to go mid-season. And instead of you know taking the normal vacation, you're going to Qatar and you're, you're able to represent your country at a World Cup. God bless FIFA for their wise decision-making. One last question. Hey, Rog. Hey, Tyler. This is Adam from Boulder, Colorado. 
I love the podcast. I love hearing Tyler answer questions about his experience with the U.S. national team. My question for Tyler, you've played on a lot of really big stages. You've played deep into the Champions League. You've played in the Bundesliga in front of huge crowds. You've played qualifiers for the U.S. national team, but you've never played on a stage as big as the World Cup. I'm wondering what sort of mental exercises are you doing to prepare yourself to play the best you can in front of these crowds on that stage? And also, if you could offer any advice to normal people uh, to mentally prep for big challenges coming up in their lives that you use to help you succeed at a high level. One final question. When you play FIFA, what team do you play for? All right. Thanks, guys. Adam, you king, sneaking in two questions for great value from Tyler Adams. Tyler, take it away. I think in terms of mental exercise and kind of what I'm doing to prepare for the World Cup is not overthinking it. Your job is to go out there and play soccer, and I don't really think too much more of it. The stages change, the fields change, the venues change, the fans change, but what you do should be a constant at all times. And that's kind of how I think about my game and, and how I can improve um, is, is offering that consistency no matter the stage and the level. Us 11 against you 11, the actual surrounding noise, that doesn't change anything for you. Exactly. And I think that the environment that you're in, the team that you're in, it should be built into team culture of what it's like when you put on that jersey. You know what you have to do. You know your job. You know your role. You focus and you go out and you execute. It's easy to say that and it's a lot harder to do. But in simple terms, that's the easiest way to put it is that you have to know your job. The sneaked in question. When you play FIFA, who do you play? Me and my brothers, whenever we play FIFA, whenever we're all home together, we usually do a lot of random international. So, you know, you hit that X button three times on the Xbox and you see what team pops up and, and that's what I use. So usually if I get the USA in there and one of my three random teams, it's always USA. Which player do you enjoy playing as the most? Christian Pulisic, because usually my team has the ball a lot, you know, so he doesn't have to defend. And I like that. Oh, my God. That is Kyle Beckerman, Erasure. Big yeah. thanks to all our callers. And remember, if you want to ask Tyler anything and everything over the next four months before the World Cup, the number 646-450-9472. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with a whole lot more leads. We will take your calls then. But as ever, we want to end this podcast with one more note of inspiration. Tyler, I'm going to hand it over to you. Can you look back on your journey? Give us a piece of advice or a quote or a person or a coach that you are leaning on right now in this remarkable Premier League moment. One of my favorite people in my life is my grandfather. You know, I've been very fortunate enough to have amazing grandparents in my life. And, you know, one of the things that he's taught me on my journey. You know, I remember a long time ago when I was playing for New York Red Bulls, it was one of my first preseasons and I had a preseason game. And, you know, you're so eager to impress everybody as a young kid. I think I was 16 years old and make the next step in, in your career. And I remember I hadn't played well at all. And I come off the field and he looks at me and he was just like simple and so calming. He was just like, I just want you to remember something, be yourself. I had to think about it for a second and I was like, be myself. What do you mean? I am I am myself. I, I just played a, a game. Yeah, I hadn't played well, but I am myself. What are you talking about? And he was just like, I want you to be yourself no matter what happens. And you can interpret it however you want. But, you know, how I interpret it always is that it's a lot harder to act a different way and be something you're not than to just be yourself and be accepted in, in whatever way you are. You know, after I play a bad game, if I say to myself, yeah, 
I was myself on the day. I just had a bad day. It's a lot easier to accept having a bad day when you're trying to be yourself rather than, oh, I went out and I tried to do 15 Maradonas and that's not the type of player I am. And then you start thinking, why did I do that? Why did I do this? Instead, having the mentality of just going out there, doing what got me here in the first place. You know, when I was the four-year-old outside my front yard, kicking the ball up or 90, acting like I was scoring in a, in a World Cup, that I was being myself. I was just being a young kid and dreaming, you know, whether I'm 23 now and playing in the Premier League, I'm, I continue to be myself no matter what. God, I love that story in every regard. I think it boils down to brace yourself, Premier League, for more crunching tackles. Tyler, it is genuinely an honour and a joy to speak to a young American at this incredible moment in time. We're all watching, we're all revelling, we're all savouring every second with you, Brendan and Jesse. Godspeed to you, to your incredible family. Courage. Thank you, Raj. Appreciate it. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.